everybody, Steve Matthews here. Thanks for joining me today for episode 32 of Radio Looks Licit. The title of today's episode is, Has the Crack-Up Boom Finally Arrived? All right, so now you may be asking, so what's a crack-up boom? That's kind of a weird-sounding term. Well, we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. But before I, I get into all of that, I, I wanted to introduce what I what I was going to say here today with a little bit of a story. Have you ever had a, a case where maybe you've done something for a while? You know, whether maybe it's something on, on your job or maybe something around the house or a hobby or something like this. Something that you've done repeatedly, maybe for many years. And then all of a sudden it dawns on you. You have this epiphany that, wow, I've been doing this wrong all this time. Well, I, I had something like that happen to me here recently. And it had to do with the way I have my, my podcast set up. A number of years ago when I, I first started doing podcasting, I bought a a mic boom and a microphone. Now, when you say a mic boom, you might be you might be familiar with what I'm talking about. Maybe you've seen these. Other people use them. Uh, maybe if if you're in a band or something like that, you use one. Or maybe you podcast. Or maybe you've seen people uh, on a video or something like this using a mic boom. But it's it's a it, it's like a retractable arm, and you can put the microphone on the end of it, and and then and you can move the arm around and and uh, position a microphone where where it's comfortable for you to sit and to talk or to stand and to talk. And so I bought this a few years ago when I, I started getting into podcasting and got it all set up. And it's, you know, I, I you know, it's an, a fairly nice microphone in a, a mic boom and all that. And I, I like, for the most part, I liked it, but there was a something about it that I didn't like. And that is, it was the way that the, the cord kind of hung out the back of the microphone. You know, the, the cord would just kind of dangle there and it'd get in the way of stuff. You know, I sit in front of my computer with this, you know, the cord would get on the, uh, the, the uh, computer keyboard or it'd get hooked on things. And it was just, it was always kind of annoying. It always seemed like it was kind of in the way. And I thought, well, this just isn't, isn't a great setup. Well, I was not too long ago. I was looking at my, my microphone and, and the, the, uh, the mic boom. And I noticed something I hadn't noticed before. And that is, it appeared that on the back of the mic arm, there were these covers. And I, so I, I pulled the, the cover off. It's kind of like a plastic cover and lo and behold, when I look underneath there, there's this channel, and that channel looks just about the perfect size for a mic cable. I thought, well, huh, now that's interesting. And it dawned on me that what that that's exactly what it was. You know, it was a place where you could, instead of having the mic cable just dangle out the back of the microphone, you could actually run the mic cord, the mic cable, up the the, the top part of the of the mic boom. And it would it would get the cord out of the way, and you you could, you know you put the cord in there, and then you'd snap the the plastic cover down on it, and it would hold the the, the mic cord in place. And I thought, well, this is great. And then I realized to myself, you know, how have I had this thing for three years and I didn't know this? <laughs> Why did it take me so long to figure that out? And I felt a little bit silly, I felt kind of dumb, um, a little bit sheepish. I thought oh, that's that's kind of embarrassing to you know have something like this for so long and not realize it. And I even went and I thought, well, am I crazy about this? And I even went and I found a how-to video, on how to set up a mic boom. And sure enough, there was somebody on there with a mic boom very similar to the one that I had, and that's exactly what this person was doing. Uh, the way she was setting it up, she was running the uh, the cable up the top of the uh, the mic boom and snapping the cover down on it. And I thought, well, 
<laughs> on one hand, I was I was glad that that I had learned something and that that I had finally figured it out. On the other hand, I was like I say, I felt a little bit silly that it took me so long to do it. Well, I I bring up that story to kind of lead into what I was going to talk about here today. And a, a few days ago, so I have I had a friend of mine that I hadn't heard from in a while, and he, I get this text from him, and he says, "Hey, Steve, you want to come up and watch the presidential debate on Thursday?" This this was the the second of the two presidential debates that was held on. Uh, October 22nd between uh, uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So I thought, okay, sure. Why don't we do that? Yeah. This is a friend I hadn't seen for a while. And, and he and I have very similar views on politics and economics. So it's always good to see him and talk to him. And, and I always enjoy uh, having a chance to, to just sit and uh, just talk about different things. And so, uh, well, that, that'd be a, be a kind of a fun, interesting evening. So I, I accepted it. And I went up and I watched the debates last night. And I remember on, on my way home, I was just thinking to myself, you know, I thought, well, it was interesting, but it just seems to me something was missing from all of this. And the more I thought about it, eventually I got to the point where, where it finally dawned on me that, that at least one of the big pieces of the puzzle that was missing was the fact that nobody, not the moderator and certainly neither of the two candidates, ever talked about the Federal Reserve. So what's the Federal Reserve, you might ask? Well, the Federal Reserve is, in short, it's the Central Bank of the United States, and it's the organization that prints the money, that creates the money. That's where our dollars come from. Like if you take a dollar bill out of your wallet and you look at it, across the top it says Federal Reserve Note. So the, the Federal Reserve is in charge of overseeing the the supply of, of money, the, the, the supply of dollars, dollar bills in the United States. It's the central bank of the United States. That's what central banks do. Central banks issue currencies. They issue the national currency. Now, every country in the world, with the exception of just a tiny handful, has a central bank. You know, Canada has a central bank. Great Britain has a central bank. You know, the, the Bank of England, you've got the, uh, the European Union has a central bank. It's just called the European Central Bank. Uh, you have the Japan has a central bank. It's, it's the, uh, the Bank of Japan, the BOJ, sometimes it's called. China has a central bank. It's the People's Bank of China. Australia has a central bank. You know, any, any, any country in the world, major countries, minor countries, it doesn't matter. They all have central banks. Like I say, with a very few exceptions, I think you can count on one hand the number of countries that don't have central banks. I mean, it's just overwhelming. It's a it's a worldwide system. Well, anyway, the the central bank it, it's kind of this five hundred pound gorilla in the room. The activities of the Fed and the Fed is just a shorthand way of talking about the Federal Reserve. The Fed, the activities of the Fed affect the lives of every single person, not just in the United States, but really in the entire world, because the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency. So the activities of the Fed have profound implications for everybody, not, in, not just Americans only, but really for everybody in, in the entire world. And yet, you know, here's this profoundly important institution, and yet neither political candidate seems to want to talk about it. Not Donald Trump and, and not Joe Biden. Now, I remember back in 2016, Donald Trump did talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve, and he was chastised by Hillary Clinton. You might recall he ran against Hillary Clinton back in 2016, and, and Donald Trump was going around saying some very accurate things about the Federal Reserve. And I remember Hillary Clinton came out at one point. And she said, you don't talk about the Federal Reserve. 
You know, she she was very very uh, kind of snippy about it too. Yeah, and and so you you, you kind of get this sense that the Federal Reserve it's this sort of this open secret, and it's something that the establishment and whether you're talking about establishment Republicans or whether you're talking about establishment Democrats, neither establishment. And it's really just one establishment, but the establishment does not want people talking about or thinking about the Fed. And as things go untalked about, it goes unthought about. So they, they don't want that front and center. And so you've got this this tremendous, uh, you know, this all this this ink and this time that's been spilt on the on the presidential campaign. Yet nobody talks about the Fed. As far as I am aware, I don't think the Fed has ever been mentioned either in either either the two debates that took place or in the competing town halls that they that both candidates had last week that subject just never comes up people don't talk about it and and that's intentional you know that's not it's like oops oh we didn't we, we didn't mean to to leave that off no that that's intentional is the the establishment and the establishment really controls you know both uh, both parties both republicans and democrats they don't want people thinking about this they don't want people talking about it because well they have an interest in keeping things secret and of course that interest is because if the federal reserve isn't talked about and discussed the federal reserve can go about its activities with without anybody questioning it and the reason the establishment likes the Federal Reserve to operate in secrecy is because the Federal Reserve enriches the establishment at the expense of ordinary Americans. That's been the whole purpose of the Fed since it was founded in 1913. And I'm not going to get into, in today's podcast, I'm not going to get into the technicals on that. I hope to have an opportunity to talk about that at some point in the future. But just, I think just for now, just throw out this idea that the purpose of the Fed is really to enrich the already wealthy. That's the purpose of the Fed. And you can see that really here in, in 2020 in, in spades. For example, uh, of course, you know we've had all of the economic difficulties over the last few months because of the government's overreaction to COVID. Now, notice here that I said, you know, that the economic problems we have, they're not the result of COVID. They're the result of the government's overreaction to COVID and shutting everybody down, locking everybody down and closing businesses, throwing people out of work. And millions and millions and millions of ordinary Americans have either lost their jobs temporarily, sometimes permanently, uh, had their hours cut back. Uh, They've had businesses that they built for years uh, shut down uh, by various state governors. And it's put people in a very, very difficult position. This created a lot of hardship, the reaction or the overreaction of, uh, of so many of these governors. But at the same time, there was an article that I saw last week that said that America's billionaires, that their net worth had increased by 25% in just about the last six months or so. That is the period corresponding to all of the, the COVID shutdowns. And what's going on there is is the fact that you've had you might remember back in the spring. In fact, there have been a couple of stimulus packages that were passed, you know, to help prop up the stock market and prop up these various industries and what have you. Well, all of that money, or a pretty good chunk of it, the vast majority of it, has has flowed to or people who are already extraordinarily wealthy. So the very, very, very rich, and I'm not talking about even just the top 1%. I'm talking about here maybe like the, the, the top 0.1% of, of 1% of the people have profited enormously, whereas the vast majority of ordinary Americans have, have suffered 
because of the the reaction of the government. So you've got a very tiny minority of people who have benefited by the actions of the government and the and the money printing of the Fed, and everybody else has been hurt by this. And of course, the establishment of of both parties don't want people thinking about this. They don't want people thinking about that. So it's it's a it's a cover up and it's not an accident you know the the political establishment does not want people talking about or thinking about these things well anyway um so that that was one kind of getting back to my my point there you know it dawned on me how the how the fact that uh, that the fed has been completely absent from anything any of the the discussion of our political leaders during the presidential campaign. Well, I was, I was kind of heartened today to see Ron Paul's Liberty Report. Ron Paul, you might be aware, he's the, the former congressman from Texas, and he's been retired for a number of years now. And for several years, he has had a five-day-a-week uh, YouTube uh, video that he produces. It's called the Ron Paul Liberty Report, typically about 20 to 30 minutes in length every day. And and he and, and the co-host will, will talk about different subjects. And every Friday, they always talk about the Federal Reserve. So today, it was interesting, the, the title of his video was called Fast Approaching, A Crack-Up Boom of the Fed's Making. So again, getting back to that question, well, what on earth is a crack-up boom? Well, I'll give you just a, a quick definition of it. There was a, uh, an economist, a very well-known economist of, of the Austrian school by the name of Ludwig von Mises, who coined that term crack-up boom. And the crack-up boom, what it, what, what it was, it's, it was a, a, an artificially created boom that was created by central banks printing lots and lots of money that ultimately ended up with people losing faith in the currency and the collapse of that currency. So it was it's sort of an artificial economic boom that ends up with the, the currency becoming worthless. He called it a crack-up boom. And there have been some famous examples of that in the past hundred years or so. If you've studied economics much at all, you might have heard of the the great inflation in Weimar Germany in the early 1920s, and that was where the the uh, the German currency went to went to zero because of all the money printing by the the central bank in Germany. And it's it's a very famous case. It's been studied and talked about a lot, but it's not the only example either. There was a an example of this in uh, the African nation of Zimbabwe uh, several years ago. And in fact, I a number of years ago, I actually bought a Zimbabwe banknote. It was it's, a, it's an actual real banknote. It was issued by the the Bank of Zimbabwe, and it's a hundred trillion dollar note. They had devalued the currency so much that they were printing note they were printing banknotes in the in the value of a hundred trillion dollars, if you can imagine that. And I think I bought it on Amazon for the princely sum of about a dollar seventy-four or something like that. And it's kind of nice. It, it it came it wasn't just a bare banknote, but it also came in sort of like a, a laminate cover so it protects it and it doesn't get all folded up in that and or, or ruined or damaged. I mean you wouldn't want to damage something that was a hundred trillion dollar note, right? I mean you gotta take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, of course you couldn't buy a piece of chewing gum with it, but it, it's it's very impressive when you look at it. I mean, man, golly, hundred trillion dollars! Wow. Well, you know the the reason that their currency that it took a hundred trillion dollars to to actually buy something um, when it was printed, and it, and it wasn't that long ago that it was printed. It was printed, I think, back in two thousand eight, so it's fairly recent. But the reason that the Zimbabwe dollar 
was was became worth so less is because the central bank of Zimbabwe printed so much of it. And and this is what happens when central banks run wild. They print so much money that the the currency that they issue ultimately becomes worthless. You know, and that's that's what uh, that's the end of of what uh, Ludwig von Mises called a crack up boom. You know, the the central bank just runs wild, prints so much money that the the people lose confidence in the currency, and it becomes worthless. And so Ron Paul and, and Daniel and, and excuse me, his uh, co-host Chris Rossini today were were talking about this uh, this crack up boom, and they made the very point that I made. I, I always feel good, you know, if I can anticipate something that Ron Paul is going to talk about. I think, well, you know, I mean, Ron Paul, you know, he's 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 at the very top. I mean, Ron Paul is a, a real hero to to just about anybody who who loves liberty and uh, constitutional government and freedom, these sorts of things. Uh, Ron Paul, in my opinion, is the greatest American state, statesman of my lifetime, certainly. And I, I, was, I was heartened today to see that, that he and his co-host, Chris Rossini, were talking about the very thing that I was thinking about. You know, they brought up the point in this video from today, and this is October 24th, or excuse me, October 23rd, they brought up the point that, hey, you know, these presidential candidates, neither one of them talked about the Federal Reserve, even though it's this really big deal. So I'm going to play for you a, a clip here. It's about a three-minute clip, and you'll hear Ron Paul and Chris Rossini talk some, and then we're going to come back at, when this is over, and we're going to talk some about that. So, so here's, here's uh, Ron Paul and Chris Rossini. Germany, but uh, everybody knows there's something fishy going on right now with our monetary system because the Republicans and the Democrats are getting along pretty well when it comes to spending money. They're not, they're, they disagree a little bit on how fast and how much and where it's going to go, but the interest in, in, in restraining spending uh, is not even entertained. And obviously, if anybody watched the debates last night, I don't think there was any interest in, in, in that subject. You didn't, have, you, you didn't have the interviewer, the host, asking questions, what are you going to do about the deficit? Do you think the deficit matters? How about debt? What is happening? No, that's, that's, that's old-fashioned now because uh, the, the world and the, our, our people, the Congress, our universities, everybody is conditioned to actually believing that we can contain it. And they have reason to take that position because they've been doing fairly well, you know, getting away with it. But there's more and more people joining us uh, Chris, in, in uh, being concerned about it because common sense tells us this can't last and something like a crack-up boom is, is destined to happen. And we want to talk about that and a little bit about the characteristics of that. And I know you have studied this subject, so let me hear from you. That's right, Dr. Paul. Uh, it was Ludwig von Mises who coined the term crack-up boom. And he pointed out that inflation, counterfeiting of money, it contains the seeds of its own demise. Meaning once you go down that road, the end of the road is already baked in if you don't stop. And uh, he called it a crack up boom. And I, I'd like to quote him. He wrote, uh, finally the masses wake up. They become suddenly aware of the fact that inflation is a deliberate policy and will go on endlessly. Hmm. And he says a breakdown occurs when they wake up, the crack up boom appears. And everybody is anxious to swap his money against real goods, no matter whether he needs them or not, no matter how much money he has to pay for them. So this is the road that we're on, Dr. Paul, and it doesn't end well. Yeah, for the theory to work that there won't be a... 
So there you have it. There's a little discussion there of uh, of the uh, the crack up boom. And uh, Chris Rossini was nice enough. He read from a uh, he's actually quoting uh, Ludwig von Mises. Uh, he that that quote that that he read is it's out of uh, Ludwig von Mises' book. It's called uh, called Human Action. Uh, von Mises was was quite a prolific author. He wrote wrote a lot. He was an economist, as I had mentioned, and. His uh, his most famous work, I guess, if you want to sound like a scholar, you, you would call it his magnum opus, <laughs> or if you just want to put it in plain English, you'd say his his greatest work was a uh, is a book. It's called Human Action, and, it, and it's uh, where he really lays out in, in a lot of detail his his ideas about economics. Ludwig von Mises was a big believer in. Uh, in capitalism, in in uh, private property, in uh, laissez-faire economics, and as Christians, of course, we would have a lot that, that we would agree with him on. Now, uh, von Mises was not a Christian, but very a, a great deal of what he had to say was uh, is really consonant with with what the Bible teaches, and I I think he's certainly somebody that. Um, uh, who as Christians, you know, we we can read his work and and profit a lot from it, uh, even if he himself uh, was not a believer. So anyway, uh, Chris Rossini was talking there about about the crack up boom, you know, and, and what that is is uh, again, it's a it's a case where a central bank prints so much money, it kind of creates an artificial economic boom, but that economic boom ultimately ends up in a collapse of the currency because people realize they say, oh wait a minute, the central bank not only have they been inflating and devaluing the value of our currency, but they're going to continue to do it. And then people become very uh, panicked and they want to get rid of their their dollars. They want to get rid of the money issued by the central bank. And they're, they're changing in for anything, anything they can get their hands on. They're going out and buy stuff they don't need just to get rid of the money. And then they can can have some, some actual, you know, quote, real stuff. And, and maybe they can sell it or barter it, but at least they're getting rid of the, the rapidly depreciating currency. And and of course, you know, Ron Paul made the point there in that segment too that you know during the debate there were no questions about budget deficits. There was no there were no questions about debt because you know that's just considered that's kind of silly old fashioned stuff, and and we don't need to worry about that anymore because we have a central bank that's going to keep you know it's got everything under control and it's going to cover us. Well, you know, if that were the case, I mean, if, if all that you needed to do to have a prosperous economy is print money, well, none of us would ever have to work. You know, there's that old saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, you know, the problem is the central bankers and the politicians and, and really people in academics and people in the media, they're constantly trying to convince people that, yes, there really is such a thing as a free lunch and you don't have to do anything and you can just, you know, stay home and get locked down and you don't need to work and the government will just print money and, and everything will be great. Well, uh, everything isn't going to be great. Uh, there are going to be really serious consequences of that. Now, you know, we talked about a crack-up boom as, as being a result where the currency goes to zero. Now, I think a lot of people might have a hard time believing, you know, can the dollar really go to zero? Um, well, yes, it can. Uh, in fact, um, the uh, what are called fiat currencies, and, and the dollar is a fiat currency, uh, the track record of fiat currencies is 100%. They all ultimately end up going to zero. So we can expect the U.S. dollar also to go to zero. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. Now, is it going to happen tomorrow? Probably not. But is it going to happen maybe sometime in the next few years? Well, I, I think there's a good chance that that could happen. And I think there's a very good chance that that uh, we're going to be around when when that takes place. And it's going to shock people. 
it really is, it's it's going to shock and it's going to stun people. And yet we have a, a political establishment. You know, we've had an entire political campaign where nobody's talked about deficits, nobody's talked about debts, and nobody's talked about all the money printing by the Federal Reserve. So, you know, this is something that's going to have very severe consequences. There already is, but all that money printing is going to continue to have consequences. And and one of the reasons is, of course, the Federal Reserve is not going to stop printing. They've already printed an enormous amount of money here in 2020, and it's going to probably be even a larger quantity next year. And it's not going to matter who's president. You know, whether Donald Trump is president or whether Joe Biden is president, uh, the Federal Reserve is going to print a huge amount of money. And this is something that we have to be ready for as as Christians. You know, we have to be ready for the fact that our dollars are going to be worth less, uh, worth a good deal less, and probably not in the too far distant future. So this is something we have to keep in mind as we make plans going forward. Um, well, anyway, I could go on and on about that sort of thing. I'm going to put a uh, a link to that uh, video with Ron Paul from uh, talking about the crack of I'm going to put a link of that in the uh, description of the video. I think it's well worth your time. If you've never seen Ron Paul, I'd really encourage you to follow his work. I think he does some of the very finest work on economics and politics that uh, that's out there. And uh, he's a hero of mine. And as I said, I, I think he's a hero for a lot of people in, uh, in anybody who loves liberty, I think is going to be uh, an admirer of Ron Paul. Well, that's about all that I had for today. Just a couple things, uh, just quick to wrap up before I go. I'm going to post this podcast. I'm going to post it both on the uh, Thorn Crown Ministry website. I'm also going to put it out there on my blog. I wanted to let you know, too, I added something, uh, a feature to my blog fairly recently, where if you, you want to, if you if you get something out of this podcast, if you enjoy the work that I do on, on the uh, Looks Lucid blog, uh, you've got an opportunity there to, uh, uh, to make a contribution to support that work. You can make a one-time contribution or a recurring contribution uh, at any amount. Uh, would be greatly appreciated. I always uh, very much appreciate uh, anybody who uh, who does donate. And it, what it does is, I mean, it helps me to keep free, you know, the the things, the uh, the writing, the podcasting, that type of thing that I do. So, so again, if you uh, are so moved and you'd like to to tip me through the uh, through the uh, the blog, I, I'd appreciate that. So that's all here for today. I hope to to follow up with you again here sometime in a not-too-distant future with another podcast. Until then, may the spirit of truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's Word. Goodbye, everybody.